Skinner to kick off the third hour first up here on this Friday morning. You're listening to TSN 1050. Karolnik and Koliakovo with you. And we're feeling good today. We're feeling good. You know, when you do a morning show, you don't feel great on, on all days, each segment, each hour. But I think today, Coco, we're all in great moods. We're here in Are studio we? together. I am, anyways. <laughs> I mean, well, we started the show by to be. saying it's TGIF Friday. Yeah. So. I also <laughs> murdered a raccoon on my way in here, so maybe I shouldn't be feeling as happy as I am. I mean, I am R. excited I. about the McDonald's order that's about to come in about an hour, yeah, but other counting. than that, I'm, I'm more excited that it's Friday than actually anything else. I have a story here that is going to excite you greatly. Okay. It's breaking news from The Athletic. Oh. Russell Wilson asked the Seattle Seahawks to fire Pete Carroll and general manager John Schneider before the trade to the Denver Broncos, according to sources close to the Athletic. I hate this Essentially, (laughs) Wilson was like, hey, let's get rid of Carroll, let's get rid of Schneider, we'll bring in Sean Payton, and we'll move on from there. And then Seattle's like, nah. And then they traded him to Denver. Yeah. And Seattle made the playoffs. <laughs> and Seattle made the playoffs, and Russell Wilson did get paid. Did get paid. God, what but a But also, is, man. Like, that's a tough one for Russ. He thought he had more leverage than he actually had. So they go, he goes, And he thought he, he was better than he actually was. He goes to ownership, hey, let's get rid of the coach, let's get rid of the GM. No wonder they hate him in Seattle. No kidding. Like, you saw that rookie corner. Uh, Tariq, Talk to him about uh, how he, yeah. what is, what is he built Basically like? Basically said he's like a bag of milk and yeah. like, you know, not fit at all. And like Russell Wilson, when you try the power move of all power moves, hey, let's get rid of everybody who's in charge here. Let me essentially be in charge, make the decisions for you. And then the teams looks. They're like, uh, no, you were trading you to Denver. Well, how about that story? Clear. That's something special, That's right there. Show. Wow, That's a bombshell. And to be honest with you, I would love to rip into Russell Wilson all day, every day, because I literally cannot stand the guy. Um, the Broncos country, let's ride, baby. And I hate that even more. <laughs> I hope they they ban him saying sack of potatoes, not a bag sack of sack of potatoes. Yeah, you know, potatoes are kind of hard. They're hard, you know, uncooked. I don't know. If that's well, an insult. Sack of potatoes, they have no right shape because... <laughs> They're not, like, defined right, with muscle. Right, because you just don't know what type of, you know, measurements you're going to get based on the size of the bag. So, well, man, it's uh, it's interesting in the I NFL know, right just, now. You, you talk about something completely backfiring from you. and you, you know, you go and make a power move like that, and then you try to back it up by basically trying to prove the other organization. Remember, the first game of the season, he went into Seattle and he lost. The, his new team didn't even put the ball in his hand. <laughs> they forced a 63-yard field goal from McManus to That's try to right. win the game instead of trying to get it on fourth down. And then it just went all, well, all went downhill from there. So you have this story going on in the, in the NFL right now, which will be a huge talking point all day long. He's going to get shredded. Yeah, he will get shredded. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers emerging from the darkness retreat in yeah. Oregon. And I'm sure you saw that story on ESPN that showed pictures and videos of the 300-square-foot cabin Dude, that Aaron Rodgers was Joshua living in. Tree. In, except it was confined to like a small bathroom with uh, like that's essentially what this little cabin was 300 square feet Dude, it's a micro condo in downtown Toronto you know what was ironic about that conversation we had about Joshua Tree I literally went home that day and I was watching Entourage and the Joshua Tree episode was on Benji <laughs> Benji yes 
Uh, it's it's amazing the story that and that I, I was reading about some other guy who did like an eight day retreat. Again, if you don't know what happened with Rogers, basically for four days he went to live in a cabin in the woods with no electricity, no sunlight. They just delivered food <laughs> once with three meals. They had clear he had a bathroom mind. and he had a meditation area in this tiny little. I don't know area. Anyway, do for twelve hours a day in that. Spot I have no idea. No Great TV, question. No phone. Great question. Did you bring a book? Uh, no, there's no books allowed. There's nothing. It's just you and your thoughts. So Rogers is out. Maybe we get some clarity on his future. Does he come back to Green Bay? Is he traded? We don't know that. And then perhaps what's most intriguing of all of these situations is Lamar Jackson, who wants a, gu- a fully guaranteed contract from the Baltimore Ravens. The same deal that Deshaun Watson got, that's what Lamar Jackson wants as well, which on the surface is reasonable. However, there is no other team who's willing to give, maybe I'm wrong about this, any type of guaranteed contract, fully guaranteed contract, to any type of player. I mean, I guess if Joe Burrow was like, hey, Cincinnati, I want a fully guaranteed deal, they'd be like, all right, it's, it's Joe is, Burrow. Isn't it against the owner's pact? Well, and, and that's it. So here's my thinking on this. Cleveland has completely screwed over their division rival here by making the Deshaun Watson trade. Not only did they trade for Watson, give him that contract, but they also got Lamar Jackson off the off Baltimore the Ravens, Ravens, potentially. And Baltimore could still give Lamar Jackson the franchise tag and... They could go from there, but Lamar is like, listen, I'm not playing on the franchise today. That's it. you got to trade me. Mm-hmm. He could easily just say that as well. We've seen that happen before. So Tyler Huntley is going to be the future. It could be Huntley. Maybe they traded for Jimmy or they signed Jimmy G or somebody, but I think it's pretty likely that Lamar gets traded, and I'm telling you, you brought this up to me yesterday, and I, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one. Washington makes all the sense in the world. One, because you know, they bring in Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator, and two, the Dan Snyder dynamic, who's going to sell the team, and you know who... Being forced to sell the yeah, team. Yeah, and you know who was rumored yesterday? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men on the planet, who, of course, owns a significant chunk of Amazon. He is locked and loaded with cash, could easily buy the commanders. Mm-hmm. And you know what I would want to do if I was a new owner? Much like the Phoenix Suns, go out and trade for Kevin Durant within hours of this guy taking over ownership. Make a big splash. Trade for Lamar Jackson. Different conference. Yeah, you have to give up a ton of draft capital, but immediately Washington becomes a playoff team in the NFC. Well, think about what precedent... uh, What's the owner's name there? Dan Snyder could make, or even just what mark he could make as the owner, former owner of that team on his way out. Oh, he could also do okay. that. He could screw his fellow owners over. Screw his fellow oh, owners. Lamar, how because, much do you want guaranteed? Because all okay. the owners basically sewered him, wanted him out, and for 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 justifiable reasons. Oh yeah. But for sure. he could trade for Lamar, give him a fully guaranteed contract, and then basically make his way out of the NFL and say, Screw you guys. I know you didn't want this, but I'm doing it. But he could also look like the good guy if there's a way for him to look like a good guy. By basically on his way out, gives him Lamar Jackson. That team has success, and but he's the guy that brought him in, <laughs> right? It's a convoluted situation, and like for Baltimore, you have Lamar. It's got to be a tough one. Like by all indications, they are not willing to give him that fully fully guaranteed. No, they're not going. And to. Lamar is not willing to take anything that's not fully guaranteed. So it was who's fully clear last year when he decided not to play in the playoffs. It's uh but for Baltimore, I mean, what are you doing? Like if you give, if you give up on Lamar, you're not going to be good. 
especially in the AFC. The hell are you going to do with quarterback? You're going up against Tyler Huntley. They almost beat Cincinnati. In the I, you know what? They were a Tyler Huntley fumble away <laughs> from beating Cincinnati on the goal line. They yeah. would have beat Cincinnati. Who knows how good enough far they could have gone? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they beat Kansas City. I, I but I didn't think they would even be close against Cincinnati. So yeah, me neither. Me neither. Yeah, no, it's it's the NFL. That's the, that's the money struggle, right? The the in the NFL, it's it's one yep. word versus another, and it's Deshaun Watson, the only guy who's ever gotten a fully guaranteed deal at quarterback. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, not Joe Burrow. Only Deshaun Watson, and it's amazing. You think back to what he was dealing with last off season what he caused himself to be dealing with. This was no one else's fault but Deshaun Watson's. Still got a fully guaranteed yeah, contract. Crazy. And when you have other teams going up against one another for a player's services, some stupid stuff like that can happen. But who do we think the breakout player of the year next year is going to be? Well, I think Deshaun Watson would bounce back season. How could he not? I agree. I think he'll be much better simply because he couldn't be any worse. It was yeah. horrendous last year. Just as bad as Russell Wilson, or very close. I mean, like he's I, I see I see people like suggesting like for future NFL props right now like people are just obsessing over Russell Wilson futures comeback player of the year no chance offensive player and I'm thinking to myself why would you well, even waste your money on a guy like that I think they could be better definitely Denver they could be better than they were last year I think they probably will be better you have Peyton you signed Vance Joseph to be your defensive coordinator former head coach a lot of experience on that staff. But if Russell Wilson stinks, that team will not perform well. How much faith? When you have a quarterback who sucks, like Russell Wilson did last year, then you cannot win in the National How Football How much faith do you have in Russell Wilson turning his season around next year? I'll be a, honest a with slight, you. I zero. I have like a little bit. Zero. This guy bit. is so full of himself. Can we that, play Broncos Country Let's Ride again, Chrissy? He is so full of himself. Go Broncos Country. Let's ride, baby. Yeah. Please stop. <laughs> so full of Broncos himself. Country. That, that, Let's ride, like, baby. As good as Sean Payton is, I don't even think he can fix him. We're going to find out. That's definitely the most compelling story. You paid story a guy line. $250 million, and you're asking somebody to come in and fix him. To me, that doesn't add up. So we've got the NFL draft coming up in April, and I don't know if Lamar will be moved before then, but you know, if you're trading draft picks, if you're Atlanta or Carolina or New Orleans or who knows, maybe Washington, I'm sure all those teams will have interest in Lamar. But it's just a matter of will they give him, will they be willing to give him a fully guaranteed contract? Very fascinating times, no doubt. The Maple Leafs, they play the Minnesota Wild tonight. We'll hear from Austin Matthews, a guy we never really talk about anymore. It's so weird. Forever. It was last year, Matthews. Is he going to score 60 now? It's like, oh, yeah, Matthews. He's still on the team. Uh, He's on the second line. Uh, At least that's what I would call it. Behind O'Reilly, Marner, and Tavares. We'll hear from Matthews, and we'll hear from Sheldon Keefe talking about O'Reilly next. The song is Youngin' by Fabulous. Request from our Reveal That Raptor winner, who was at the game last night. The Raps picking up a huge win over the New Orleans Pelicans. 110, no, 115 to 110. Young and Fabulous, that's something that people describe me as. Okay, that doesn't really have Also, I'm not young or fabulous, but the Toronto Raptors' performance was both of those last night, including Jakob Pertl, 21 points and 18 boards. For the Raps, what an impact he's made in his brief time back in Toronto. We'll talk to Amit Man of Yahoo Sports about that at 8.45. Coming up at 8.30, we'll talk to Anthony LaPanta. 
I did the Italian thing again. Uh, from Minnesota, he is their television voice. The Wild in town tonight to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. And all eyes, once again, will be on the Orion O'Reilly line centering John Tavares and Mitch Marner. They combined for 13 points in the most recent game against the Buffalo Sabres. Here is Maple Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe on what he's noticed about O'Reilly off the ice so far. He's just got a great confidence about him that uh, he's, you know, allows, his, him, allows him to just be confident in who he is and be himself. Right from the moment he stepped in our facilities, he's, to me, he's just, just been himself and looks very comfortable. And uh, I think that's allowed the adjustment to happen very quickly for him. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's a, an extremely important part of our team, but he also is, is bringing a lot of things to our team that are going to really help us in a lot of areas, you know, not just in what his on-ice contributions are. Yeah, and the playoff experience, obviously a huge part of it for Ryan O'Reilly. 21 goals in his last 58 playoff games. A guy who shows up in the biggest moments time and time again, and that's exactly what the Toronto Maple Leafs are hoping for and anticipating O'Reilly to do again for them this time around. And I think almost, it's it's funny, Coco, Austin Matthews, how much we talked about him last year. Mm-hmm. 60 goals, Ted Lindsay, Hart Trophy. He's sitting at 26 right now. He's been banged up, but obviously has not had even close the type of season that he had last year. And there's a number of reasons for that. Probably number one on that list is... Maybe he was banged up early, but also he's not playing with Mitch Marner with the same type of regularity that he played with Mitch Marner last year. Mitch Marner's a guy, you play with him, you're going to have a huge year. John Tavares, we saw it in his first year with the Leafs scoring 47. We saw Matthews score 60 with Mitch Marner. And Austin Matthews talked about the impact of the new additions, O'Reilly and Achari. Uh, I mean, I think both guys, you just can see, uh, you know, their presence. Obviously, they're excited to be here. And, um, you know, it's just been fun to, to get to know them. Obviously, uh, you know, the last couple of games with them, I think we've gotten a big boost in just morale around the room. A lot of really good energy is flowing. And I think, uh, you know, that's what you look for when, you know, you pick up key guys like that. And I think, the, you know, we've been really welcoming. I think they've come in here and, uh, you know, made themselves at home. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I think that's just going to continue the uh, chemistry and everything just going to continue to get better, get more comfortable within, uh, you know, the team and our structure and everything. And um, But it was pretty fun to just kind of hit the ground running for sure. You know, when you have O'Reilly and Marner and Tavares, and they're not going to produce like they did a couple of nights ago every night. They're not going to combine for 13 points that often. But that definitely takes some of the onus, the pressure, and even the focus of opposing teams away from Matthews. Like if Matthews and Nylander and Bunting are getting the second D pair, from your opposing team, whoever that might be. Should feast. They, they should absolutely dominate. And we saw it last year against Tampa in the playoffs. It was Sorelli. He was all over Matthews when Tampa had last change back at their barn. Sorelli and Tampa Bay Lightning, you had Victor Hedman as well on the back end. They did a really good job of stifling Austin Matthews and his line last year with Marner and with Michael Bunting. But this time around, assuming O'Reilly is on the second line, Come playoff time, which is still a big assumption. We have no idea how this plays out. Like, one of those lines should destroy Tampa's second pair. Like, destroy, dominate. And you're not going to have Sorelli as far as the forward on the shutdown role, the lockdown role, the Deneau role, the Sorelli role, the Bergeron role. 
I, I mean, the Leafs have set themselves up here to have two absolutely dynamic lines. And I think that's the most exciting prospect for Ryan O'Reilly, what he, he potentially has created as far as the diversity in the lineup and mm-hmm. the ability or the lack thereof for the opposing team to match up with them. Well, you're giving yourself more versatility as well, too, right? With the players that you're bringing in and the positions that they can play. And and it, this, this what what you just referenced brings me back to 2019 when the the Maple Leafs played the Boston Bruins in the opening round of the playoffs, and they had Matthews, Tavares, and Kadri. And Kadri in Game Two gets himself suspended for the rest of the series because you know of a selfish play that he made um, to take a shot at one of the the Bruins players. But going into that series, people were were you know uh, analyzing you know who. Who had the strengths? Who had you know? Or sorry, who had the edge over the strengths and the weaknesses? And and people were saying, well, Toronto with that with those three center icemen definitely has the edge because Boston can't match those three guys. Well, you look at what they've created now; they should give themselves an edge, especially with home ice advantage, wherever they decide to play any of those players. So. I don't really focus too much on matchups, you know, who they're going to be playing, what players are going to be asked to do what and stuff like that. What you're trying to create is chemistry right now with this group. And you're trying to create a confidence knowing that whatever game you're asked to play, whatever situation of the game you're being asked to play in, you'll feel confident in the guys that are here that are going to go out and get the job done, play the right way and get the right result. That's what you're focusing on for the next 20-plus games. And I think for Sheldon Keefe, what he's been able to do as a coach this year, coaching through all of the different adversities that this team has dealt with, I think it's better prepared themselves for it. And O'Reilly and Achari just gives them another advantage because the players they're replacing... They're replacing. Let's be honest. It's an upgrade. It's a massive upgrade on the players they're replacing in the lineup. And Matthews with the seventy-one block shots. That's pointed out by a listener from Ottawa. That's a new element to his game. And and, I think he and Nick Benino lead the NHL in block shots for forwards. Yeah, Matthews. Which is that's a a very impressive stat. I mean, you probably don't want Matthews blocking that many shots, but, but. you but know, again, like is. people at the beginning of the year, because he scored 60 last year, or, you know, and, and look, we shouldn't uh, downplay his goal scoring prowess and his dominance that he's been able to show scoring goals because he clearly can do it at an incredible level and is capable of doing it at an incredible pace, as we saw last year. But you heard me at the beginning of the year, like, I didn't put too much emphasis on Austin Matthews scoring 50 goals, scoring 60 goals. Because to me, where he separates himself from other players is his complete 200-foot game that he has bought into. And if that's something that can allow the rest of the team to feed off of, aren't the Maple Leafs in a better spot? Knowing that we're not focusing on him scoring 60, we're focusing on everybody playing a better defensive game around because it's our best player yes. leading the way. It's, doing so. it's that, and it's also kind of the diversification of the offense. Like Nylander, Marner, Tavares, look Matthews this, look, all have very similar statistical lines. Look at the step Nylander's taken in his game. This yeah, he's good. He might score 45 goals, and, and, 90 and, points. And you talked about, okay, is, does Austin Matthews' uh, goals, uh, you know, goal number right now 
Is it impacted because he doesn't play with a guy like Mitch Marner? Maybe. Oh, it has but, to be. But he's been playing with William Nylander. If he's not playing with Marner, he's playing with Nylander. Yeah, it's not playing Mar- with some Marner scrubs. leads the way at 71 points. Nylander has 68. I mean, we've said it all year that Nylander has been one of their most consistent players all year. And and it's it's amazing. Like you don't include Mitch Marner in that because that's what we've come to expect from Mitch Marner. Where every game he just shows up and is making amazing stuff happen. Well, Ryan O'Reilly had a great line of practice. I think he said even a pee wee player could have scored a hat trick. Playing with Mitch Marner, <laughs> Mitch Marner the five primary assists you know? in that game with and the O'Reilly who gets the chance, Any any player that is has the opportunity to come play. With the Toronto Maple Leafs, immediately the first thing that they look at is, okay, I get a chance to play with Mitch Marner. Wasn't that why Tavares signed with the Maple Leafs? Part yeah, of it? Part of it. Yeah. Part of and it. And he got sure. it the first year anyways. And like, all right, that's enough for you. But he got back on the line with Marner. So looking forward to seeing how everything plays out, plays out tonight. It's the Leafs in the Wild on TSN. And we'll talk to Anthony LaPanta, who is the television voice for the Wild on the other side. One of the most active teams on the trade market are the Minnesota Wild. They're wheeling and dealing. Well, they're really just retaining salary for other teams. But uh, it is interesting to note a team like the Wild is doing that, considering where they are in the standings. And they've got a lot of guys that people are interested in ahead of the trade deadline seven days from today. LaPanta on the other side. We'll talk to Amit Mann, who covers the Toronto Raptors at 845. Big win for the Raps. Last night against New Orleans. That and more next on First Up. Woo! All Request Friday here on First Up continues. Burning in Love by Honeymoon Suite. A request from Peter in Stony Creek. This is a great track. This is Listen to that guitar riff. Yes. Oh, man. This is a fire track. Chrissy, add this to the rotation here on First Stop. Another thing we should add to the rotation is regular appearances from our next guest from the Minnesota Wild. Their television voice, it's Anthony LaPanta. I think this is his debut here on First Stop. I think so. Good morning, Anthony. What's going on? It is my debut. I'm excited about it. Anytime that I get to chat early in the morning with a guy whose last name is in a vowel, I'm in. <laughs> Giddy up. Yeah. That's only that, that's that's you, Carlo. Unfortunately, my yes. the K. Bravo. But, Grazie. Yeah. Uh so a uh, big one tonight for the Wild. The team has been really active of late, Anthony. Not necessarily bringing in players or trading them out, but retaining salary on different trades. We saw with the Leafs, saw with the Boston Bruins. Is that how Billy Guerin is wheeling and dealing right now, looking at some salary retention, maybe to build up some assets to make a bigger move? It could well be that. I think it was, it, it will be, I think the while will be active between here and the deadline. And he can only make one more salary retention trade right now but they had they were in a really strange spot still are in a really strange spot where they have a lot of cap flexibility this year a lot of room under the cap this year but cannot afford to take on anything basically anything with term for the next two years because of the parisi suitor buyout penalties Mm. they've got to be 14 million under the cap the next two seasons so they're in that strange spot where right now they could be uber-aggressive if they so choose. They could go out and get a rental and are one of the few teams that could afford a rental without salary retention. So I think he's using some of that 
right now to, to build in what everybody's talking about as being a very deep draft. Picked up a fifth-round pick in this year's draft in yesterday's trade. I know the, the pick in the Toronto trade was a couple of years out, but you've got some, you have some ability to help facilitate those trades and build with some assets. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw a lower pick, uh, two, three, or four. I'm talking about lower, just not a number one. Two, three, or four going the other way in a deal that brings some depth to Minnesota's lineup itself here before the deadline. So what would you think uh, Bill Guerin's uh, wish list would be? Would it be someone of impact? Would it be a depth player? Would it be someone on defense? I mean, we're hearing rumors that Dumba could be available. What, what type of moves do you expect to see? I mean, the Minnesota Wild, you guys have won four straight. Is it four straight or five? Four straight. Four in a row. Uh, and you play the Leafs tonight. You've moved into third place in the Central Division with that win streak. Uh, what, what do you think the wish list is right now for Bill Guerin? Well, I think it's interesting because I don't think he looks at this team, and this is 100% speculation on my part, I don't think he looks at this team as a team that is a player away from being a cup favorite. I do think he looks at them as a playoff team. I think he looks at them as a, a team that might be a player in a couple different spots away from being a threat in the playoffs to win, say, a, a series in the playoffs, to to potentially and the way the West looks right now, it was amazing. We were looking Wide at it open. last night. Yeah, now Vegas won last night, so they they're down three points clear. But if you take if you start with Dallas, the second place team in the conference, the first place team in the Central Division, and go to the eighth team, the last playoff team, it's only five points mm-hmm. that separates those teams. About a week and a half ago, Minnesota got beaten Dallas. They were ten points behind the Stars. Wow! And everybody was talking about, oh, that might. Uh, it could be a knockout punch for the Wild. Well, here we are a week and a half later. They're three points behind the Stars. It's yeah. crazy how tight this is. So I think when you look at it that way, you might look at a roster and say, yes, I don't think this team is an impact player away from being the best team in the National Hockey League. But it's hard to look at the Western Conference and say, well, if we added a scorer, who couldn't we beat? And, and again, this is all speculation on my part, but I start to look and say, with a scorer, could you beat Winnipeg in a series? Absolutely. Could you beat Dallas in a series? Could you beat Vegas, Edmonton, Los Angeles? Colorado still might be the one team in the West that's capable of, of elevating their game to a level that separates them, but, but we haven't seen it yet this year. So with all of that, it's kind of a long-winded way to get back to your question, which is I think what Minnesota really is lacking is scoring punch. They've been looking for it for most of this season. Last year they were one of the best five-on-five scoring teams in the league. This year they haven't been. They're playing with tremendous structure right now during this streak. It's four wins in a row. It's 5-1-1 one, and one over their last seven. And in those seven games, they've only allowed 11 goals. It's, it's crazy how well they've been playing defensively. And, and I think they see all that as potentially sustainable. But what they really need is a second scoring line. They've been looking for it all year and just haven't been able to find it. So I think if there was a guy who could deliver some scoring punch out there. I don't know. Maybe there's eight teams that are looking for a guy who could score, too. I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah. but I think that would probably be the main target for Minnesota. Yeah, you talked about uh, some of their struggles scoring and even how good they've been keeping the puck out of their net. If you're a betting guy in their last 10 games, they're 9-1 and one to the under. Ooh, the now total. we're talking. So um, <laughs> they're getting some... Uh, 
playing in some tight hockey games, which brings me to my next question, Anthony. A uh, big question right now that Minnesota fans have is who's going to be the guy leading the charge in net for the Minnesota Wild? You saw Flurry struggle a little bit going into the All-Star break. Gustafson has really taken the reins and got a good stretch here. Uh, Flurry gets the shutout last night. Nice to see in his return to the net, but um, is this going to be a problem for the Minnesota Wild moving forward? Well, I don't think they think it's going to be a problem, but I think it's that it may have changed. I think for most of the season, they felt like it was Mark andre Fleury's net, and the big question coming in, it was the trade was late before the season that sent Cam Talbot to Ottawa to bring Philip Gustafson in, and, and nobody really knew what they had in Gustafson. Billy Guerin was a little bit aware of him because of the fact that he had been a draft pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins when Billy was there, so he had a little bit of a knowledge of him. But I think even Billy would tell you he didn't know for certain what he had in terms of an NHL-level goaltender. And then Gus's first three starts this year were not very good. He was blown out by Los Angeles in a relief role and then gave up six against Colorado. And his first three starts, he, he looked like a guy that, oh boy, how are they going to find enough games to get him in and give Marc-Andre Fleury enough rest to stay fresh down the stretch. And it felt like they were trying to ease Gus back in. He was he was drawing, I don't want to say easier assignments, because you're still in the National Hockey League, but it was a lot of times where he would catch teams on the second of back-to-back. He would catch teams when the Wild were fresh. Maybe the team's a little notch below him in the standings. And I thought all that changed when on the back end of back-to-backs in early December, he went into Vancouver when the Canucks were playing pretty well and shut out Vancouver. And from that point, it was like, all right, well, maybe this guy is, maybe it's, maybe there's some legitimacy to it. And he's just taking the ball and run with it. And I think they came out of the break thinking Flurry was, was still their guy. And Flurry was beaten. And Gus took the reins, and he was terrific on the homestand. And it was a – the homestand the Wild just finished was really a season changer. They got beat the first two games out of the break, lost in Arizona, lost in Dallas, and then they came home to play Vegas to start a seven-game homestand. And Marc-Andre Fleury was in the net, and Vegas beat him 5-1. to one. And it really felt like the season – there was a why in the road. Which way is the season going to go? It was a really challenging homestand. They still had Jersey, Florida, Dallas, Colorado, L.A., all left on the homestand. And they came out and went 4-1-1 and the last six games. And Gus played five of the six. So I think right now it's tap the guy that you think that they think gives them a better chance to win tonight. And that might be Gus more often than it's Flurry right now. But, you know, and I thought Flurry looked a little, a little rusty, a little shaky early last night in Columbus, but then settled in and was really good late in the game. He is Anthony Labanta, the television voice of the Minnesota Wild. Looking for a good Italian spot here in Toronto tonight following the game, Anthony? We got some, we got some recommendations if you need them. Well, you know what? I would love that. Unfortunately, we fly out after the game. Mm. This is the worst kind of trip into Toronto. We don't get it, but I'm always, <laughs> I'm always up for it. We, um, I have a friend who lives out in Greektown here, so we've Ooh. gone out to some of those inner ring suburbs and, and have gone down to the Italian area a couple times when I've been up here on previous trips and have uh and we went to a place in little Portugal the last time we were here. Oh, I don't remember right. the name of it, but all it was right. terrific. Nice. But, but yes is the short answer. I'm always looking for recommendations from those who know.
All right. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to set something up the next time the Wild are in town. Maybe you'll head over to Carlo Koliakovo's house. Yeah, nice little fresh homemade. We could probably pasta. we could probably make that happen. Yeah. What's what's the specialty? Ooh. Uh, my my grandmother used to make an unbelievable lasagna. My aunt makes it now, and my dad's like a very creative cooker where he just <laughs> uses a lot of his flavors and imaginations. But Fernando it's knows like what a he's homemade doing. fettuccine with a homemade pasta sauce. It's I'm getting hungry with pancetta. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, I like, that sounds like my kitchen. I like it. We just kind of make it up as we go. Exactly. So it's, uh, exactly. So, uh, well, I'll look forward to your recommendation. We're going to okay, set buddy. that up. Uh, Anthony LaPanta, thank you for doing this. Anytime. All right. The voice of the Minnesota Wild. You could watch tonight's game. You can watch tonight's game on TSN. Coco, today is the 21st anniversary of the 2002 gold medal game from Salt Lake City featuring Canada and the United States. Remember really? that game? The Mario Lemieux threw the legs oh, that one, on Pronger yes. to, I believe that was Paul Correa. I was looking at the lines for Canada in that game. It's absurd. It's absolutely <laughs> absurd. So we'll run, th- we'll run through some of that at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Matthew Cause will join us, the host of Gameplay here on TSN Radio. Matt Larkin still to come. But next, Amit Mann, who covers the Raptors for Yahoo Sports. What a performance from Jakob Pertl once again for the Raps. A big win over New Orleans. We'll break it down with Amit next. It's not often we compare Chris Boucher to Michael Jordan, but in this singular instance, I think it's appropriate. Welcome back to First Stop, Karolnik and Koliakova with you. That, dunk, that was a Jordan dunk. It was Jordan Space Jam, where yeah. he just reached out and his arm From kept on line. stretching and stretching and stretching. The Monstars all over him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the New Orleans Pelicans are exactly a team comprised of Monstars, but my point remains... Let's bring him in. One of our favorites from Yahoo Sports covers the Raptors. It's Amit Man back on first up. What do you make of the Chris Boucher, Michael Jordan comparison, Amit? I mean, geez, like I'm the one who sent out a graphic, but the exact same exact. Oh, there you go. There you go. That must be part of my subconscious there. I did not yeah. see that. Like maybe I was just scrolling through my Twitter. Obviously, I follow you, and that might have been something yeah. that uh, has crept in there. But that that was an incredible dunk by Chris incredible. Boucher. I don't, know I don't know if I want to see him in the dunk contest, but, you know, I think the point remains that it was a, a quality performance by Boucher. And I think another big man on the Raps continues to put up quality performances night after night. Jakob Pertl, I mean, what a show he put on once again. 21 points, 18 boards, was huge on the defensive side of the floor as well. I mean, is this sustainable? Like, Well, it's not, it's not sustainable to this degree, Ahmed, but, I mean, this guy is showing that he is going to be a very big part of the Toronto Raptors, not only for the rest of this season, but for years to come. Certainly. I mean, the past two games, uh, he's shooting 24 of 28. <laughs> pretty, wow. That's pretty good. And is that the good? Themselves, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, 51 points or so right there between two games, and the rebounds obviously are, are very beneficial. I spotted the, the line for him with points, assists, rebounds. It was set at 25, and surely... 
I took the over on that. And surely nice. I made a few dollars last night. It was, nice. it was beautiful. Anyways, uh, Jakob Pertl is sustainable. I mean, obviously the, the, the pace may not be, but the impact could very well be. Because I look at the Raptors, and when they got Jakob Pertl, there was pretty clear that they needed a rim protector and they needed three-point shooting. So they've addressed one one part of their their needs. And the connective piece that he is, like he's kind of a glue piece. And the Raptors defense has always felt like this entire season that it was just missing something. Something was just off, just a little bit by like a hair, an inch, a fraction of a, of a second. And Jakob Pertl is the answer to a lot of the things that we're talking about. Um, he's so mobile. He's so smart on both sides of the floor. You would think that with the Raptors, when they get a, a player like Jakob Pertl, who doesn't have much of a jump shot, who is actually not a great three, uh, free throw shooter, spacing on offense wouldn't be good. But he... He has such a, a way of being so spatially aware of where he is on the court, and he continues to move, and he's not ever uh, cluttering up the, the spaces on the court, which is so important with a team that doesn't really shoot all that well at the moment. And they need him to be continue to be like that uh, that dribble handoff guy, the, the roller, and he's uh, – we talk about him not being a great three-point shooter, I'm saying this, but his floaters and his ability to finish around the rim or like five feet out and towards the rim is exceptional. So here's a little bit how I'm looking at this, and I was talking to some of my buddies last night about Pirtle. Is there any uh-huh. concern <laughs> that he's playing too well? And I ask this because he is a pending unrestricted free agent, and I'm sure the yeah. Raptors, when they trade it for him, they're like, all right, we're going to pay Pirtle this per year in the offseason. Obviously, you give up a first-round pick for a guy like Pirtle, who's a pending UFA, you're going to sign him long-term. Mm-hmm. That's the Raptors' plan. You think there's any part of Eugerian Webster looking at this be like, ooh, ease up a little bit, Jakob. You're playing a little bit too well. You could price yourself out of what we were yeah. hoping to bring in for. Are you guys fans of the wire? Of course. So we're all we're speaking the same language because I sent out a meme yesterday of Marlowe saying the price is going up. And that's Jakob Pearl's agent talking to the Raptors because of how <laughs> valuable he is to them. Um, certainly. I mean, you could talk about, you know, him possibly earning himself a little bit uh, too much of a role with the Raptors in terms of where they're going to be with their budget and so forth. But I also think that people are being realistic. Like the Raptors, they're, they were a decent team before Jakob Pertl got here. But I think um, last season, I'm not saying it was a fluke, but they've been kind of found out a little bit. And so teams were game planning against it, and they were able to you know, find ways to score around the rim, and they were capitalizing on the Raptors' fairly aggressive defense. And Nick Nurse says, like, look, I'm not going to start playing less aggressive. This is how I play defense. And so the Raptors, when uh, they were getting beat on drives, there was, they weren't funneling uh, – him to uh, their, the other team to anyone. Like Their best defensive lineups before Jakob Pirtle came was when Christian Coloco was there. But Christian isn't uh, where he needs to be offensively, and so that's why he's in the G League and getting some seasoning. But um, the signs were there early on in the season that if they do get a rim protector, they're going to be in a much better spot. And now that they have one, obviously Jakob Pirtle, like he is a very good player, but uh, I think everyone's going to be reasonable about um, his contract. And it's probably going to be in, I don't know, like the 20 to 18 million per season range, I would imagine. Ah, it's good to be a big man in the NBA. Not bad. Not a bad living. Amit Ben from from Yahoo Sports uh, Canada covers the Raptors, our guest here on First Stop. So Fred Van Vliet, basically the last minute last night, uh, pulled out of the game for personal reasons. We hope everything's okay with him and his family. But we saw Scotty Barnes essentially starting at the one. You had Trent in there, of course, Ananobi, Siakam, and Pirtle. 
when Van Vliet is ready to go and the Raptors have their full complement of players, mm-hmm. do you expect Gary Trent to come off the bench? Maybe an alternative decision? How do you see it playing out? I think it is Gary, and that's not a slight against Gary at all. I think you're trying to create some roster balance, and the move initially when Gary went to the, to the bench, um, it was because it felt like they could get better balance throughout their roster if he, as a scorer, as a tough shot maker, was coming off their bench and you know uh, leading a few units. And it actually was going pretty well. His scoring off the bench was uh, a bit better off the bench than compared to his starting numbers, and it gives him a bit more room to kind of find a rhythm offensively. Um, so I think it would be him, but if you look at the Raptors now, and Nick Nurse talked about, the, talked about this uh, yesterday, is that you add in Gary Trent Jr. off your bench and you insert Fred Van Vliet into your starting lineup, you got a pretty solid like top nine. And you can go you know, 10, 11 if you really want to. Jeff Dowden Jr. played 19 minutes last night. He looked really good. I was happy that he got some, some run. He's been playing really well in the G League. And I just have always found that he has this... Uh, he's he's a, a player that would fit the Raptors in terms of a backup point guard position because of what he offers. So that was cool to see. But uh, you could see cases where you know Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet are actually only playing like 35 minutes because you could run out a lineup of Scotty and Chris and Precious and OG and Gary. None of those guys are Fred or Pascal, and that's really valuable. And that lineup would actually have like some legs. I think it would actually probably outperform their opponents over like a six seven minute stretch. So. Those are things that they got to consider. Consider, and also, if your players are less tired, you could probably expect that they're going to be more productive, more intense, more energetic in the minutes that they do play. And that is again has been a reason why the Raptors have been, you know, kind of collapsing in fourth quarters throughout the entire season. When Pascal Siakam is in minute forty-one, Fred's in minute forty-two. Sure, they're going to be really tired in the last minute of the game, and maybe they're going to allow a blow by, or maybe they're going to miss a jump shot, or they're not going to have their legs. Like that is stuff that's just that's just reality. So <clears throat> this is going to create a bit of a, a competition for minutes, but it's healthy considering where the Raptors are, and they're trying to, uh, yes, play in for sure, but I think they're probably going to make the play in, but I think they have their eyes set on a top six spot if they can really uh, find some momentum here. So, I mean, that's just what's going to lead into my next question, because when we spoke to you last before the All-Star break, even before the trade deadline, I think it was pretty safe to assume that most of us predicted or at least thought that this team would sell off some of their assets. Instead, they turn into buyers instead of sellers. We've seen yeah. a sample size right now of what this team looks like with the acquisition that they made. Has your belief in this team changed with the way that they look and the potential that they could potentially reach with this group? Uh, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're a much better team now than they were you know, before the trade deadline. It's It kind of goes into how high can you get this season? And I guess it's hard to say because like this season isn't necessarily the goal. Like you have your rim protector now, and then there's going to be some critical decisions they got to make with uh, Gary and Fred at the very least uh, this off season, um, which is going to inform some of their future. So that's all, all good, but certainly they're a much better team now with Jakob Pertl, uh there. And also there's just more stability. Like you have players that are in roles that make sense for them. I've heard Pascal, I've heard Scotty Barnes, they both said like it's really good to have a rim protector like Yanko Perla behind us so we don't have to play those five minutes. So I don't have to guard, you know, Steven Adams and Joel Embiid. Like those are things that matter and they're gonna help uh, both those guys perform much better. Um how much it influences this season, it's hard to say. They need help, right, from some of the other teams. But now they're four games out of the sixth spot. They got a few teams to climb. Everybody's got kind of a hard schedule. Toronto, Miami, New York, Brooklyn. Uh, those are the teams between five and eight. Also, the Atlanta Hawks. Like they're all 
got a tough schedule coming up over the last 22 games or so. And the Raptors have to essentially go, uh, I mean, I don't know, they probably have to go at least 15-7 and seven at this point. And hope if better, that'd be good too. <laughs> it's going to be a very fascinating last 22 games for the Raptors. They have Detroit at noon on Saturday. Really? Yeah, I don't know. That's an early one. Is that, that in Toronto? I believe it is in Toronto. Yeah, so oh. that's that is an early one. So a noon Saturday. That's yeah. tomorrow. That can't be a noon game tomorrow. Maybe it's Sunday. Sunday. Maybe it's Sunday. Yeah, I'm getting my days mixed no, up. No, no, no. No, you got it right. It's, oh. it's in it's in Detroit. Oh, it's, it's in Detroit. At, it's at twelve. It's okay. at twelve, and then they got another game. They're on about to Sunday do that against Cleveland. Oh, they don't play tonight. My bad. Yes. Sorry, they played yesterday. Oh yeah, if you play at seven o'clock, the noon turnaround. Yeah, that wouldn't be too easy. My bad. Amit, always great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for this this morning. Have a fantastic weekend. You too, guys. Go Raptors. Go go (laughs) Raptors. Yes. Uh, That is Amit Mann, who covers the Raps for Yahoo Sports Canada. Well, it's a very big morning here on First Up. We're going to announce our Reveal That Raptor winner for this week. Of course, the Siakam Swirl McFlurry a big part of the equation as well. Because you think him and Pirtle had a couple last night? I think they may have a couple of McFlurries, a couple of pints as well. And uh, the $100 McDonald's gift card, part of the Reveal That Raptor contest. Make sure to subscribe to the First Up Podcast in order to qualify. And Cheese is in the lobby right now collecting the food sure? drop from McDonald's. So we'll fill you in what's Bang! going on with that. And the update from Carlo on his assault bike. People asking on social media about Amazing. that. And back to the anniversary of the 2002 gold medal game between Canada and the U.S. 21 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. Matt Cause and Matt Larkin still to come. A couple of mats in hour four of First Up.